I think it's important to sometimes unpack or dissect how we should respond to moves of God. And someone may say, well, how do you know it's, how do you know it's a move of God? Well, when you find 20 students responding to a simple teaching on how to love right, how to love like Jesus loves. This is a simple teaching. And then for, for that teacher to say, anybody who's available or wants after this teaching is over, if you want to pray through how to love right, how to love vertically, and how to demonstrate it horizontally. Um, for that teacher to say, I'll be available afterwards just to pray with you. And for 20 of those students, just to hang around, say, yeah, I, I want that. I want to respond to the word that was written and read this morning, God's word, on how to be kind, tenderhearted, how to, how to forgive, how to love without offense. And that's really what happened on February 8th. Simple Wednesday normal teaching. An environment could have been seen like this. And the teaching was on love, God's love. And afterwards, about 20 students just came to the altar. And what would normally end right there just went into later hours into the afternoon. And more students just started coming hearing about the teaching, hearing about the response. It just showed up, saying, God, I want my heart to be adjusted to you. And just started to repent, turn to God, say, I'm sorry that I've been living my life in a way that was independent of you. And here I am. I love that this thing is happening with, uh, with teenagers and um, young adults because there's a level of sincerity that doesn't show off all the baggage that many of us have gotten stuck in over the years. Deep offense from what my husband said or my wife said or my parents or my brother, my boss, what's going on in my neighborhood. And, and even some of our own failures, we've just gotten comfortable with that, that plane going down. Something like that helps you to hear the Holy Spirit say, pull up, pull up. We're watching these kids. That 20 turned into 200. Six hundred, eight hundred, just filing it. They were just responding. To date, that Wednesday afternoon Bible study altar call that came afterwards is still going on. Today is the 19th. So they're 11 days in. And 
other schools heard about it and not trying to manufacture it or manipulate it, but just saying, I think I need to repent. What's going on in my life that I need to, to say, God, I'm, I'm sorry for alienating you from that part of my life. And others are hearing it and saying, wow, and that's what social media does. It, you know, it could be good, it could be bad, right? And so people are just traveling all over to Asbury College in Kentucky. We were driving 10 hours. People were coming from Canada, coming from New York. I was reading one guy. He asked his wife. She says, yes, if you think that God wants us to go, we'll go. And they traveled from Atlanta. It's our response. Do, do we all pack up and go to Kentucky? Well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say, you know, don't go if you feel like, you know, that's something that you want to go. But if you do, and if you don't, just know that God responds to the heart. If this has happened, it's happened because there was a heart that went after God. And there are those who criticize and say, ah. This is my response. And I pray that if you are on social media and you post and you share and that your heart, not your words, but your heart will be one that says, Lord, I want to I want to cherish this and not measure this. The enemy would love for us to get into all kinds of measurements, all kinds of comparisons. We don't have to. We think about it. I, I had a chance, you know, during our time of meeting and greeting, I had a chance to Say hi to Lydia. Lydia's 16. 16? Yeah. <laughs> and make sure. And I had a chance to talk to Roman in Romans 13. I just want you to think about this now. Imagine 600, 800, 1,000, 2,000. That are like Lydia and Roman. Different colors, from different cultures. And they hear a teaching on love. And they respond by saying, God, I want that in my life. And they go to the altar. And that kind of thing begins to spread. I'm not going to measure that. I'm going to look at Roman. I'm going to look at Lydia. And I'm going to say, Father, may my heart be so tenderized that I respond like that. I don't want to say, oh, this looks like the Brownsville revival. This looks like the, the Toronto outpouring. This looks like... I, Oh, is this Azusa Street? Nope. I'm going to cherish this move. And I say, God, I want that in my life. I want that in my life. I want to be so tender-hearted that I love Paul, I love Kathy, I, 
I love Dawn. I love Pam. I want to be so tenderized that, that I connect with Edwin, who's 24. causes me to be able to go into a restaurant and instead of just enjoying my meal, I'm, I'm looking for ways now that I can pray for my waitress, or my waiter. God, what can I deposit in ShopRite when I go in? So cherish it. Cherish it. I don't feel like I need to drive to Kentucky, but there are some that say I want to experience it. I need a jolt. I need a jump. Maybe. Okay. But I want to be in my house, and I want to open up the doors, and I want to say, Holy Spirit, come in. And whatever you're doing in Kentucky, or whatever you did in Antioch. Do here on Trinity Turn. So when Naomi sings that song, I want to be tried by fire and purified. Take, take whatever you desire. Here's my heart. And I can do it and, and have a beautiful, funny moment with my dear sister who's about to turn 80 in July. Come on, you can give it up for her. It doesn't mean that I have to walk around somber and home. But it does mean that I wanna be sober at all times, tender at all times, grateful at all times, thankful at all times. And I always want to be turning. I want to turn. I want to turn. I hadn't planned on saying that stuff during offering about Isaiah and the sensitive part and God come to our sensitive part Sometimes when you hear people talk about money, ah, that's the sensitive part. Or if you've been arguing with your spouse and it comes up in a teaching, ah, that's the sensitive part. That's the part that we close the door. I'll let God in here, I'll let God in here, but uh, I won't let God in there. What we learn from these kids in Kentucky is, Lord, I want to let you into every part of my life. Every part of my life. So I want to read a scripture, and then I want, to, I want to let you go home and practice. Let you go home and practice. The scripture is in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. The setup on this scripture, I was in here one day, <clears throat> I was in here one day, and I came in and, and sat at the piano and, and started playing this song. In 2003, I walked in to this building, um, and they only had 12 senior citizens in the building. And um, because our church was growing, we had outgrown the uh, capacity for everybody to get into to one place, and um, we needed to buy another, another building. And um, I walked into this place, which is really, I shared with you before, it was, it was a mess. It was right on, on University of Penn's campus, and somehow um, things had just started going downward in that congregation, and the pastor died, and um, they tried to get repairs done, and Contractors took advantage of these senior citizens, and it was just, it was just a real mess. The roof was leaking. They had these huge angels. They were about, I don't know, maybe about this tall, about six feet, and they were in all the four corners of the sanctuary in the ceiling. Huge angels. 
This building was built in 1896. And, uh, and because of all the water damage and the plaster damage, the, one of the angels' wings, and the span of these angels, like that, and one of these big wings, because of the water damage, and over and over soaked into the wood, one of the wings fell off. And so L&I license and inspections came in and said, you know, you can't, can't have service in here. So, um, yes, yeah, more roofers to come and drained more money and more roofers. And it was just, this is really bad. So they were having service in, in the outer portion of the sanctuary, right outside the sanctuary. There were these two parlors, the west parlor and the east parlor. And they would have service. It's about 12 of them have service over there, and then they go across. And they're, in, they're from all these different nations, Indonesia, Nigeria, <coughs> excuse me. And um, it was only about 12 of them, and the whole congregation was about, about 21. And um, I remember, you know, walking in the building and God saying, yeah, this is the place that I want you to be at, so we worked through arrangements, and we were able to bless them, and, and then we were able to get the building, and we spent four years renovating the building. And um, in 2007, we moved in. We moved in in September 2007. And I said, I said, man, Lord, I'm going to dedicate this, this place. And so I, I remember sitting and journaling with the Lord, and he gave me this song. Because I looked at Second Chronicles, you know, 5, 6, 7, and Solomon had built the temple and got everything all straight. And then they bought offerings and sacrifices, and they sacrificed so many um, uh, goats and lambs. Oh, it's just it's a big, big thing. And then uh, they were out in the courtyard. Everybody was dancing. They're coming in and they're saying, Lord, Solomon had prayed a prayer, Lord, fill this house. And those are the words to the song that I'd written. Lord, fill this house. Fill it. Fill it with your glory. So that everyone who comes will be changed by your presence. Lord, fill this house. And um, one of the verses says, <clears throat> um, we come today to dedicate this temple. We, we give it as a sacrifice, we, we come and bow down and we give you praise and offer unto you our lives. And the Course says, Lord, fill this house. Fill it with your glory. Lord, fill this house. Everyone who comes be changed by your, your presence. I remember writing that second verse. I was in my dining room. I began to weep as I was writing the words to the second verse. It says, we, we turn from every wicked way. And we resolve to seek your face. May the gifts that we give be the lives that we live. Lives that are holy. That bring honor to your name. And Pastor Paul and Pastor Kathy had made the connection with Pam and I. We, and when it, when it became clear that the Lord wanted me to help in the transition, I asked uh, Pastor Paul, can I come in here? And I came in one, one Monday, and I just sat at the piano, singing that same song, Lord, fill this, fill this house. Fill it with your glory. 
And so in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, Before it gets to seven, before it gets to seven fourteen, says God is saying, "Hey, if it ever gets to a place where you get off track," I'm paraphrasing. You get off track, and and all of a sudden now you got plagues. You you got all of these horrible things that are happening. If it ever gets to the place because you've gotten off track and now here is catastrophe that's coming in your life in any form, this is God responding. Because he says, yes, I'll fill the house. I will come. In fact, he came and bought fire. Fire came. The glory of God came. Just like Solomon said, will you fill this temple? God responded and filled it up. But then God says, listen, if you ever, ever, ever get to a place where there's a disconnection, verse 14 comes in. And so let's, let's put up verse 14. It says, if that happens, then, everybody say then, says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Verse 15, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. That's an amazing response. The interesting thing is that God doesn't just fill temples like these. Because of Jesus, he wants to come and fill our hearts. We are the temple. And so when I look at something that's happened in, in Asbury, you know, it's interesting. There's a couple from Malaysia that had, uh, that had been called to Kentucky. And they went to Kentucky, and for decades, they prayed for God's presence to come and fill. Decades. They're known for walking up and down the campus and all around the grounds with their hands stretched towards heaven saying, God, come. Lord, will you come? Will you fill this place? And then after, after a while, again, they were doing this for decades, the wife got discouraged and they'd been, they went to New York and they were doing some other things in New York. And they came back. They were scheduled to come back to Asbury for a visit. And they came back on a Tuesday. And that Wednesday is when they had that little Bible study. And since then, there has been. What am I saying with that? And he said, don't stop knocking, don't stop asking, don't stop seeking. Do I need to go to Kentucky? No. That's the takeaway. Don't despise small beginnings. If you long for a spiritual movement in your life, in your family, in your church, and in your city, then gather together 
a few hungry believers. It says in the book of Acts that they devoted themselves to prayer continuously. Just breaking bread. And one of Jesus' last words um, happened around tables. And he gave a prophetic picture around the table. And he says, do this as often as you can. That's why when you walked in, I, I had asked the team to give communion cups out to everyone. If you don't have a communion cup, raise your hand. Raise your hand. We have a few in here that don't have communion cups, so make sure everybody gets a communion cup. Why, why did I ask for that to be done? I know it's not communion Sunday, <laughs> but we want to be in a place where what Jesus did around a table, just a table, the Bible says they met house to house, just small believers, small groups of believers just seeking, seeking God. So if you want to experience that, then like the first followers, continue to devote yourself to prayer, but not promotion. Don't try to duplicate what's happening in Asbury. God's not calling for that, and that's really not sustainable. You, I mean, they're doing some things in Asbury in terms of adjusting classes and all of that, but you're not going to be able to leave your job and just hang around in Kentucky. You're going to come back to no job, and then you're going to call the church office and say, can someone pray for me that I get another job? That kind of thing's not sustainable. But we can devote ourselves to prayer. Are there things that we can cherish from that? Not measure, cherish. Not criticize, cherish. Not tear down and knock. And if Jesus were here, what would he say? He'd say, Jesus, look what they're trying to do over there in Asbury. They're trying to this and trying to that. What would he say? He's like, hey, you got me here with you. Why are you focusing on that? And I'm not saying not focusing on the beautiful event that's happened. I'm saying focusing on the temptation to get into disunity. The enemy wants to divide. So I charge you this morning. And this is a strong word. Don't criticize. Don't be a critic. Don't tear down what God may be doing. Don't gossip and slander and don't do it. And don't gossip and slander against those who are gossiping and slandering. Right? Devote yourself. Look at somebody and say, I want to be devoted to prayer. Last week, Pastor Paul did an amazing teaching on building a house of prayer. Movements happen when our hearts are turned to him. Then Pastor Paul and I were talking, and he says, he said, Pastor Terry, Deacon Javier moved with such conviction. And there was a stirring that came. See, those are the kinds of things that are happening in Asbury. I'm not saying duplicate Asbury. I'm just showing you how there is a consistency when things aren't always so organized. I appreciate, you know, Naomi, where's no dishes? I appreciate, I appreciate Naomi just sort of breaking script and going longer. Messed me up. I didn't know whether to stand or kneel. I didn't, know, I didn't know what to do. And I'm looking for the days when a Lydia will have the microphone, or a Roman will have the microphone, or an Edwin will have a microphone. 
And we'll get stirred out because the Spirit of God is being poured out on all flesh. Not just those who have gone through seminary and those who have all these years of experience. That's why Jesus said, let the children come. The disciples were keeping them back. They were Jesus's, uh, they were, they were his, his protectors and the kids were playing around. All of a sudden they get a little too close to Jesus. They're like, hey, hey, get out of here. Jesus says, don't you ever keep them, the little ones from us. They're the ones that the Father can get through because of the sincerity of the heart. And we can learn from the young. Wave at me if that made sense. Did that make sense? You guys got that? But he said he's going to pour out his spirit on everybody, the old, the young, men and women. He says, in the last days, and I think these are the last days. Now, I'm not going to go around and say, oh, we're in the last days. No, I'm just going to get the benefit of what he said he would do. Because we want to see, I don't want to just see revival. Mm -mm. I want to see people come to Jesus and lives transform. Communities and regions transform. And sometimes we can get stuck on a service. And I love I love services. I love worship. I mean, we're going to have such a great time on, on March the 4th, being inspired for God. But if there is a move of God, there always has to be a because. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for what? <laughs> it has to be more than just me basking in his presence. He wants to touch my life so he can flow through and touch somebody else's life. Thank God for what uh, Deacon Michael was praying this morning. God, flow through our lives so it touches the lives of others. But we have to be purified. That sensitive part has got to be dealt with. So let him. Oh, so cool. When, when Naomi started to flow and Holy Spirit started giving her extra words, she was saying, hey, this isn't something to be scared of. It's that, it's that reverence. It's like, oh, he's here. And I don't want to be like the people in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 after Moses had been on the mountaintop and he came down and there was such a glow on him. They said, ah, oh, you got to cover your face. It's too much. No, I want the glow. I want the glory. I want him to purge me and wash me and Holiness is a good thing. Holy is a four-letter word, but it's not a bad word. It's a good word. We can be holy without being weird. Look at somebody. Look at somebody. Help me with this. Look at somebody and say, I want to give you an assignment. Represent Jesus well, not weird. Represent him well. Don't be spooky. Don't be spooky. And we're going to need that even in the body of Christ. In the body of Christ, we're going to, because there's some that are wired differently. Man, I flow. I'm always in flow. That's part of me. I, you know, that, that left and right hemisphere of your brain, you know, that, that whole area, you know. And, and, you know, those that are left, you can call them left-brained, if you will. Very structured, very analytical. That's how, that's how Pam is. That's how she is. She's very structured. When you guys hear her teach, she's going to come up, and she's going to have note and note and sticky note and note and note, and everything's going to be locked in. A lot like Pastor Paul. <laughs> I was watching him teach last week, and he's like, wait a minute. Are we off, Javier? Are you, you're, what you got? Because I got different notes going here. There's nothing wrong with that. I value the way Pam is. And she values the way I am. And that's what we're going to find in the body of Christ. When God starts to move, you're going to have those that are very structured and organized, like Luke is very structured and organized. But then you're going to have some like John that's just flowing, man. He's like, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and then he wrote 20 chapters. He's just journaling away. And that's why it's so important not to limit 
what God does and how he does it. We're better together. You know, once again, you know, let's talk a little bit. The person on the other side now, look at them and say, we're better together. We're better together. And we need to honor each other in our various wirings. The Holy Spirit does that. So, gave you some, some things to do. Number one, don't despise small beginnings. You know, if you want this spiritual moment in your life, in your family, in your church, in your city, then gather a few hungry believers. And like those followers, devote yourself to prayer. Don't try and promote something. Don't try and program something and structure something. I mean, there are times when we have to be because, you know, like on Wednesday nights and unpacking the point, sometimes, you know, you got to work. And so we try and keep it to a certain time so that, and take into consideration that. That's how it is in the body of Christ. And let it be like that at home. Honor each other's wiring. If you want this kind of movement happen, what's the next thing you do? Confess all known sin. Can I say it again? Confess all known sin. That doesn't mean I'm going to give you the mic and you guys come on and up and, you know, have at it. No. But you start off with the Father. And then he may say, hey, go grab somebody just for accountability, not for gossip, not for slander, not, and, and be somebody that God can send somebody to. Did you, did you understand the way I said that? Be the kind of person that God can send somebody to who's maybe struggling with something and they just need accountability. And they can trust you that you're not going to go online, that you're not going to go to your best friend. Everybody's got a best friend. But can God trust you? He wants to be able to trust you because we're, we're about to go through a season and God's going to be sending some very broken people in. And he needs to have those who represent him well that he can trust. So start practicing. Practice holding it. You know? What's wrong with a broken refrigerator? It can't keep anything. And we don't want to be like a broken refrigerator. We want God to be able to be able to put some things in, some information in, and you pray and bless and encourage without saying, hey, guess what I heard? You know, so-and-so, oh, my God. I want that. So he has to be able to trust us. Put your hand on your chest and say, Lord, I want you to trust me. I make myself available to you. And so, that really is, you know, I knew today was going to be a little different when, after the song. And so, honestly, I could preach until 2 o'clock today. And I hear y'all praying, Lord, please. God, touch this man's heart. Don't <laughs> help him to hear right. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to preach until 2 o'clock. Um, man, it's so good to be in the kingdom of God. It's so good to be washed in the blood. And it's good to say, Holy Spirit, I know things that I've done or things that are in my life. I need you to wash me of it. But if there are things that I've been doing and moods or habits or perspectives that I haven't really realized, bring that to me too. Make me aware. Make me aware. You want that. And at home, be open with your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter. You're talking about humble yourself and pray? Humble yourself. Get low. No flesh will ever... Glory in his presence. No flesh. No one has ever seen God and lived. 
which means that when you start asking for the glory, you got to get low. Those priests that were going in making sacrifice, they weren't walking in, all right, Lord, here are all the, no. They went in low. <laughs> they went in low, and that's how I want to go. But low to God, humility with God gets lived out by the humility we have with those around us. Sometimes I have a conversation over the years. My kids are, I have a conversation with them, and sometimes I come down on them a little hard, and I go and talk to Pam. I'm like, so, you know, what you, she's like, honey, you came down a little bit too hard. And I have to go back in the room. I walk down the hall, knock on the door. Hey, Ange, Ange is my middle son. Pam calls Andrew our sucker baby. I mean, calls Ryan our sucker baby. Ryan was our first, and Ryan was just like the perfect baby. Made us want to have another one. He's a sucker baby. Andrew came. Oh, Andrew is so spicy. Andrew is, Ryan was on the steps at about three years old. I said, Ryan, jump. Dad will catch you. Ryan came down to the second step. He said, oh, Dad, now I'm ready. And then he jumped, and I caught him. Around the same age. I said to Ange, hey, Ange, jump. Dad will catch you. Ange said, wait. And he ran up the steps. And now he's like, Dad, I'm ready. I was like, oh, my God, Lord, what have you given us? So there are times when, you know, having a conversation with Ange, you know, and, you know, talk to Pam. She's like, honey. And so I go, knock down the hall. Hey, Ange. He said, yeah. I said, you know what? I missed the target. I am so sorry. He said, Pastor, you don't have to do that. You're the parent. No. Humility is always lived out by those around you. You get more credibility with your children, even with those that you lead, when you walk in humility. Make sense, Wave? Yeah, make sense? Okay. Bow your heads. Father, thank you for these moments where we hear you where we see you. We want to humble ourselves and pray. We want to seek your face. We want to turn from our wicked ways. We want to be that temple that is so dear to your heart. Not this place. This place is great. But Lord, our temple, us, and where we live and what we have, we want it all dedicated to you. And we want to be great ambassadors everywhere we go. And Lord, if there's anyone that doesn't know you, today open their eyes. Pull them back to you. Those online, those here, may they see and feel the loving Father's heart. And in doing so, say, I want Jesus, who the Father sent to be my Savior and to be my Lord is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, grab the cup. This is a simple act. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Pastor, do I have, do I have some license here? Just to, then I want to encourage you. He said I could. <laughs> Get some grape juice. Get some crackers. Or buy a, you know, you can go to a Christian uh, online store and get a bunch of these. And take communion with your family. Jesus said, as often as you do this, you proclaim Jesus died for our sins. It keeps you sensitive when you and your children, you and your spouse, you and your parents are at that place where you're all remembering the thing that unites us is that Jesus died for our, all of our sins. And like we said a couple weeks ago out of Mark chapter 11, when I stand praying for other things, communion helps me to forgive. It helps me to be sensitive toward you and not walk around giving you the silent treatment at home, not making you jump through hoops when we've had a disagreement quick to repent, quick 
to forgive. Quick to love. You guys receive that? Yeah? Okay. Pull the cracker off the top. Bible says that the, the Lord's body was broken for us. It doesn't mean his bones were broken. They weren't. They came up to break his bones and they said, oh, he's already dead. And that was to fulfill a prophetic word that says none of his bones will be broken. And when it says his body was broken, it's talking about his flesh was ripped. The punishment necessary to bring peace with man and God, God put that punishment on Jesus and they ripped his flesh. So let's break our crackers together as we tear the body of the Lord Jesus. It's a reminder of what he's done for us. Lord, thank you for these crackers. Thank you for this juice that represents your body and your blood. We testify it in our lives declaring fresh that Jesus is our Lord. Everybody, before you eat this, say, Jesus is my Lord. Let us take together the body of our Lord Jesus. And now let's drink the juice. See, this is the sensitivity that we experience, that our sins are washed. Our sins are washed. But may I caution you before we drink? Pastor Paul shared last week, and he says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation." But let's not put ourselves in the way of temptation. So this time of communion, we make a vow. Say these words, Lord, thank you for your blood. It washes all my sin away. I also ask you that as I leave here today, open my eyes to see and Holy Spirit, help me not to position myself in the way of temptation. Help me in Jesus' name. Let's drink together the blood of our Lord Jesus, which cleanses us from all sin. Let me tell you something. Normally, we have a song. And we get all warm and fuzzy and all of that. We're not doing that today. We're not going to have a song. I want, you to, I want you to stand. The deacons are coming and getting the containers so you can still work with them. I want you to stand. And I want you to go to somebody. Look around the room. I want you to go to somebody. It could be a family member or it could be somebody else, but I don't want anybody to be by themselves. Thank you so much, Isaac. I want you to go to somebody real quick, real quick. Look, the quicker we do it, the quicker we can close. <laughs> go to somebody. And it could be two or three. It could be two or three. Yeah, just. Now, I want you to look at each other. Look at each other. Make eye contact. Look at each other. And I want you to say these words. Say these words. Say, you can trust me. I love you. But I also ask for your help. Will you pray for me that I stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit when I leave? We're better together, so I invite you into my life this week this week. Uh, you guys, uh, say some other things to each other. Uh, can you pull our brother over to you? He's standing there by himself. Yeah, there you go. I don't want anybody to be by themselves. All right. 
Now just bless each other. Whatever bubbles up in you, just bless. Doesn't need to be long. Don't preach a sermon, but just bless each other. And let it be with love and grace. Uh, All right, so look, look, guys, can you look up front just for a moment? Stand up, sweetie, and stand up, Naomi. You guys look up front just for a moment. Um, so her husband couldn't be with her today. It was supposed to be Naomi and Chayton here, but Chayton couldn't be here this morning. So will you guys do me a favor and say happy one-year anniversary to Chayton and Naomi. Today is their anniversary. I, uh, I had the wonderful privilege of marrying them a year ago. And it was the coolest thing, and we're, we're pretty much done, but the coolest thing was that when they were marrying each other, they took each other's shoes off. Wedding gown, tuxedo, and they just began to wash each other's feet and make declarations, I want to treat you like this when we're married and when we're not in the big ceremony. Such wonderful pictures, and they're a young couple, it's a wonderful picture of, of what it's supposed to be like serving each other. I know it blessed Pam and I, I mean, we just celebrated 35 years and we learned from them. We learned from them how beautiful this kind of thing could be. So Lydia and Roman and Edwin and any of the other young adults that are in here, I just, we need you. We need the fire of God to just flow through you. So spend time with each other and be a model for the rest of us so that we can be sensitive and the grace of God can flow through Burlington and whatever other county you're from. You guys receive that? Put your hands together for our young people. Put your hands together for Asbury. Put your hands together for what God's doing in the body of Christ. Come on, louder. Give God praise. Thank you, Lord.